Hi, this is Morgan. Welcome to If These Walls Could Talk. This podcast is dedicated to supporting mural art in the San Francisco Bay Area. We will delve into best practices for professional mural artists so that we can figure out how to spend the best hours of our days getting paid to paint and hone our craft so that more truly remarkable mural art can get made. Together, we can make the world a more beautiful place, one wall at a time. Hi, this is Morgan, and welcome to If These Walls Could Talk. In this episode, I'm going to be reading Chapter 6 from my book, The Mural Artist's Handbook. This chapter covers art advocacy and two case studies of public projects I've worked on and what I learned during those projects, collaborating with cities. I talk about how to find public mural projects, what you might want to consider when creating a design that will more frequently have community input or a longer feedback process. And also I'll talk about when to varnish a mural and why. Um, A lot of city projects will automatically put an anti-graffiti varnish on it, but that's not always necessary. So I'll break down when that might be a good idea and when, when it's not. If you would like to purchase the book, it is available on Amazon. You can hand it out, share it with people, and I hope that you will find the content useful and the book beautiful and enjoyable to read. Chapter 6, Public Mural Projects. When it comes to publicly funded art, each community varies widely in terms of policy, budget, and citizen enthusiasm. The rules change from town to town, how things get done, who gets picked, and why. If you drive through a town and see a lot of beautiful murals there, it's because there is a vibrant arts ecosystem in that community, including arts and community beautification organizations that put in countless hours of work to make those projects happen. Art advocates in that community may have spent years arranging meetings with public officials and engaging with the community in direct fundraising efforts or in order to get a percent for art policy passed. Either way, a publicly funded mural art project involves significant coordination and cooperation between citizens, city management, and elected officials. As you evolve outward in your mural work towards commercial and eventually public murals, The level of cooperation with other stakeholders, whether they are professional creatives like designers and architects or public art committees, also increases. As a creative professional, it will become increasingly important to have a distinct creative voice and know what story you want to tell, but also be willing to incorporate feedback to ensure the work is as site and context specific as possible. Artists that support themselves with public art projects typically run larger art studios that include someone on staff dedicated to managing submissions to open calls for artists, or request for proposals, RFPs, sent out by city governments. Cities tend to be conservative, so if they decide to hire an artist that doesn't live in their city, they are typically looking for an artist with an impressive portfolio of, quote, knocked it out of the park, 
successes on other public art projects. Some cities are required to issue an RFP for transparency when they spend public funds, even if they already have a short list of artists they are interested in working with. Publicly funded projects typically entail extended approval processes and long timeframes, which can take years before coming to fruition. While I don't want to discourage you from applying to publicly funded mural projects, it is a slow and competitive arena that probably won't support you reliably until you are well established in your mural career. If you broaden your definition of public murals to include all mural art that is public facing, including commissions from building owners and businesses, opportunities abound to get paid while sharing your creative voice in the public sphere. This type of work does not necessarily mean that the subject or style of the artwork is less creative or confined to narrow commercial interests. Overtly commercial mural art is not in the best interest of a community, and any community backlash against a mural is not in the best interest of a commercial brand or business. Who gets picked? Deciphering which artists are chosen, which creative voices and perspectives are shared in a community is too frequently the result of an imperfect selection process. For example, street art festivals can gain city and building owner approval for walls, but don't typically have much in the way of budget to pay the artists. The art that gets made under those conditions is painted by whoever is willing to work for little to no payment, typically younger and less experienced artists who don't have families to feed. Intentionally curating a diversity of voices is frequently overlooked in the artist selection process, especially on privately funded public mural projects. One community I bid on a project for had brought 10 large-scale murals to their downtown, all funded through private donations. However, nine out of the 10 artists selected to paint the murals were either white or male, representing only a small segment of the diverse community. Private interest groups can be a boon to bringing artwork to communities but ensuring the artist representation is well-rounded, makes for more diverse perspectives, and is vital to ensuring the artwork is relevant to the broader community. Art Advocacy. Public mural art, both publicly and privately funded, is a direct result of the effort of art advocates. Mural artists are in a symbiotic relationship with the art advocates who play a critical role in bringing mural art into the spaces they care about. Art advocates are the instigators of a process that will transform and positively impact their communities for decades to come. Engaging in art advocacy in your own community is a great way to contribute to the art ecosystem where you live. For residential projects, advocating the benefit of Mural art is a natural extension of your business interests, and your enthusiasm for your product will help you find clients. However, in the public sphere, the optics are unfavorable for a freelance artist to put together their own mural project. Don't use your public mural advocacy efforts simply to find yourself work. I get super excited when I discover a community that is vibrant with art. While I believe supporting the arts and artists is a noble cause, there are many practical and economic reasons for public mural art, including 
the fact that, one, mural art deters graffiti, saving cities and building owners money on graffiti remediation. Two, communities with mural art are more desirable places to live and work. Communities that embrace public art typically see a correlating bump in real estate prices. Depriving a community of beautification projects is not the best way to solve the challenge of affordable housing. Three, commercial districts with murals invite engagement. Visitors are more likely to walk rather than drive through an artsy business district, and pedestrians are more likely to shop or stop for coffee, giving local businesses a boost. Four, mural art is an inexpensive capital improvement project relative to landscaping, hardscaping, or building renovations. Five, upcycling. Windowless, multi-story buildings lacking architectural interest, the so-called community eyesores, make the best canvases for murals. Finally, murals require minimal maintenance and last between 25 to 40 years. When it comes to art advocacy, there is no magic formula for winning over the mural skeptics. Every project I've worked on has happened because one individual saw an opportunity to put together something beautiful for their community and then figured out how to make it happen. One call, one meeting, one step at a time over the course of many years. The best resource for art advocacy, including research with regards to the benefits of public art, can be found at americansforthearts.org. Case Study Beautility. The Fontana Parks Neighborhood Association was formed 20 years ago by a group of neighbors who wanted to have trees planted along a local greenbelt owned by the Water District. The greenbelt grew into a well-used park with walking paths that snaked through several neighborhoods. A dozen ugly concrete water vaults were visible along the paths. The Fontana Parks Neighborhood Association spent three years lobbying their local council representative to earmark funds to have the vaults painted with art. I was one of six artists selected by the city of San Jose to paint the vaults in Fontana Park. To give you an idea of the effort and coordination involved in what might seem a fairly straightforward project, Michael Ogilvie, the director of public art for the city of San Jose, shared with me his records related to the effort involved in bringing this project to fruition, including 693 emails, 77 phone conversations, 42 in-person and group meetings, three community events, a cumulative 600 hours of artist time creating the designs and painting the murals, 250 hours of staff time for project management and coordinating logistics. These figures do not include all the volunteer hours that community stakeholders spent on the project. This may seem like a crazy amount of effort for a wee bit of art. It's worth noting here that Michael is an efficient person. We have worked on two projects together, and he gets to the point quickly and keeps all the cats, artists, government agencies, etc., herded in the same direction without fuss. In Michael's words, by comparison, this project was a pretty small project, as it did not require engineering, soil, structural, electrical, 
surveys, off-site fabrication, transportation of large-scale objects, road closures, complex installation processes, or excessive interdepartmental or interagency coordination, though water district approvals had to go through an extensive evaluation process. End quote. Part of the reason that this project took so much coordination is the utility boxes were property of the city water district. Public utilities and transportation departments, like Caltrans, have jurisdiction over a lot of public real estate, but are generally art ambivalent. Prime canvases for mural artists, such as neighborhood-facing freeway walls and underpasses, are held in trust by government agencies who care little about art and the communities that would benefit from mural art. My hope is that each successful mural project will build awareness of what is possible, and through effective art advocacy, more public walls held by government agencies will be made available for community art projects. Finding Public Mural Projects CAFE, callforentry.org, is the most popular site for posting open calls for artists. Some cities have their own portals for applying to projects. Sometimes a city will put out a request for qualifications and create a pre-approved pool of artists they will select from for any projects that come about during a defined period, typically two years. More cities are getting up to speed on what a reasonable budget and selection process might look like, but consider each project you apply to on its own merit. I regularly see RFPs asking for original designs without a stipend, or a lower price per square foot than a house painter would charge to paint the wall a solid color. Not every project will help you stay gainfully employed as an artist. Art commissioners are not typically intentionally trying to exploit artists. If I take the time to respond respectfully to contests or RFPs with inappropriately low budgets with information about how the project might be structured to optimize the best outcome for the artist and the community, I have seen those RFPs revised. Contests and other, quote, exposure gigs are not typically geared towards professional artists. If I receive an email or see a Facebook post for a potential mural project that includes the words, quote, contest, exposure, vote, or win, I skip it. Don't bite if a mural project doesn't pay professional wages. If you have a business Getting a mural on your your storefront is like getting a tattoo. It's going to be part of your brand for a long time to come. The tattoo artist matters a lot. Running a contest open to all artists to put a free tattoo on my body in return for exposure probably won't garner me the best tattoo or the best artist out there. A mural contest is intended to garner attention for the business but it will not ensure the artist earns a living wage or that the business ends up with a professional work of art that elevates their brand in the community. Creating a design. Remember how I said all design work should be paid work? It's true, but in the Wild West, rules are made to be broken. The best way for an art advocate to find funding for a mural project in their community is to be as clear with their idea as possible 
including presenting a visual mock-up when approaching potential supporters and donors. The word mural is ambiguous. Many people have seen lots of ugly murals in their lives and fewer beautiful transformative murals. A picture says a thousand words and can win over allies with a glance. If an art advocate is making an earnest effort to coordinate a public mural in their community, I am happy to help the fundraising effort by creating a mock-up of the site with sample artwork, whether they plan to hire me for the project or not. On the other hand, if the funding is secured, for example, with a commercial or private clients, or a city RFP has been issued, the budget should include a stipend for original design work by the artist. During the design process for a public mural, don't invite everyone to the party. A kitchen sink style mural that aims to please everyone and incorporates a laundry list of themes is a lost opportunity to tell one story very well. Ideally, the artist was selected based on a body of work that is already creatively aligned and compelling to the community. However, accepting input from select key stakeholders, like an art commissioner, is good business and ensures your art will be received well in the community. When I consider a design for a public space, I begin by thinking about who lives there. Is it a quaint, family-oriented community or more urban? What's the speed and angle from which the artwork will be seen? What energy or style would serve the space? And how might the space be used differently after the mural is painted? Once a mural painting is underway, invite the community into the process whenever possible. Invite the local paper to cover the project. Offer office hours so people can ask questions about the project and engage with the artist. Collect first-hand testimonials from the community about the artwork. It takes a while for a new mural to work its way into the fabric of daily life, but the benefits of a mural have a long tail. The mural might become a favorite backdrop for quinceanera photo shoots. People may start to use it as a reference point in local geography. For example, the restaurant next to the blank mural, or to get to my house, turn right at the big fill in the blank. Someday, when the farmer's market needs a second location, they will choose the parking lot next to the mural because of the beautiful backdrop. Children who used to point out details with their tiny fingers from their stroller will whiz past the landmark on their bikes on their way to middle school. Visitors from out of town will stop and park once they see the mural. They will explore the area to see what other unique things they might discover, and they will share their positive experiences in your town on social media. The first mural project in a community faces the most resistance. After one or two murals go up on other walls and the success is experienced firsthand, more walls magically become available and other businesses in the area will want a mural of their own. One success breeds more success. Putting out a creative idea, especially in the form of a public mural, exposes us to the fickle company of other people's opinion. Mostly, people are thrilled and supportive of new art in the community. People love to be helpful and frequently offer feedback when I'm painting. 
Since I typically work alone, it's reassuring to know that if the nose looks too big, or if there's a typo, someone is going to speak up. If it is useful feedback offered with good intention, I try to incorporate the suggestions. The day flows better when I don't take anything personally. Once I had an octogenarian set me straight about a watering truck I depicted inaccurately in the mural. I'd assumed the vintage lorry I was painting was for watering the crops, when in reality it was used to keep the dust down on the roads. Every project is an opportunity to learn something new or improve my accuracy in visual translation. Once when I was painting a trompe l'oeil, trick the eye scene of a walk-in vault along a public street, somebody stopped to ask why there were cookies stored in the vault. It is possible the comment came from someone who was hungry, but it's also super helpful to know the stacked gold bars were looking edible. The comment was an invitation for me to consider how I could render them to look more angular and metallic. I typically don't wear earbuds when I'm painting in a public space so that I'm accessible to hear comments. The vast majority of people offer positive encouragement and that makes life sweet for everybody. If anyone is outright rude, I simply direct them to contact the city. There's always the option of noise-canceling headphones. Pedestrians are sometimes oblivious to their surroundings. Be sure to block off your work area on the sidewalk with orange cones and caution tape. The most frequent hazard is pedestrians looking down at their cell phones. So use chalk and cones, visual cues on the ground, to prepare them for what is ahead. Remember when you're out painting on the street, you are an ambassador for mural art in that community. People love to meet the artist, take photos with you, tell you about their mother slash brother slash cousin who is also an artist. Making connections with strangers is a highlight of the work for me, but can also add context and meaning for the people who will enjoy your artwork in their community for years to come. When to varnish. Most of my clients assume that every mural should be varnished. Not at all. Mural art deters tagging and graffiti. Murals rarely get tagged because of a culture of respect for the work of other artists among street artists. And also because, in general, taggers would prefer to have a blank wall all to themselves. The paints I suggest are durable. Accidental or incidental marks from crayon and Sharpie can be removed with warm soapy water or a mild degreaser. Varnish is expensive and significantly increases the total cost of project in materials and labor hours to apply it. On projects with a tight budget, I think it's better to put the money towards better artwork than protecting a low budget piece with varnish. Unvarnished murals are also easier to touch up since the artist can just walk up and paint on the wall without first having to remove the protective varnish. The only thing more toxic than varnish is varnish remover. There are two situations in which I recommend varnishing a mural. The first is if a mural is painted on a public wall that has been a longtime target of tagging and graffiti. A good anti-graffiti varnish that I would recommend in this situation is TSW, This Stuff Works made by graffiti masters. For a public mural, the client or building owner, city or school district should be in charge of purchasing and applying the graffiti varnish 
since they are the most invested in the long-term maintenance of the mural. The second situation in which I recommend a varnish is on walls that receive more than eight hours a day of full sun exposure. In this case, I recommend a UV varnish. I use a product made by Marabu called Clear Shield in the matte finish. It dries to an eggshell finish. Some anti-graffiti varnishes offer UV protection, but most UV varnishes are not categorized as graffiti resistant. When I paint murals on south and west facing walls, I exaggerate the warm tones during the painting process to anticipate a bit of fading, and then apply extra coats of the UV varnish over the warm colored areas of the mural, reds, oranges, and yellows, as those colors fade the fastest under UV rays. Murals with south-facing sun exposure should have a UV varnish reapplied every five years or so. East and west-facing murals should have a UV varnish reapplied about every 10 years. North-facing walls do not need a UV varnish. Case study, the California Avenue underpass. The California Avenue underpass in Palo Alto has historically been a frequent target for taggers. The tunnel is poorly lit and long enough that anyone inside the tunnel was not visible from either entrance. A community participation mural painted 25 years prior covered both the walls and the ceiling, but it had substantially deteriorated from both water damage, the paint was peeling and bubbling off, and also from regular graffiti removal efforts over many years. The poor state of the walls contributed to the steady contributions of taggers. After the restoration of the underpass mural was completed in 2017, it was tagged only a few months later. The next tag came six months later. Each time I came out and touched it up right away. It took less than a half hour to remove or paint over the tags. Since then, over the past two years, it has not been tagged again. The transition from a tagging hotspot to not being tagged at all in the last two years provides one data point that beautiful artwork on a wall does deter tagging, even in former, quote, hotspots. The city chose not to put anti-graffiti varnish on the tunnel primarily because of budget constraints. In retrospect, this was the right decision. It was much easier for me to touch it up without a varnish covering the artwork. The mural renovation was commissioned as a short-term stopgap measure until the underpass can be rebuilt with proper drainage. In the meantime, the upgraded artwork makes the tunnel feel safer, and the mural once again brings delight to commuters, students heading to school, and anyone out for a stroll. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of If These Walls Could Talk. If you enjoyed the content, please rate and review so that more artists and art advocates can find and enjoy this content. Until next time, happy painting! Thank you.